1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob lauder I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And happy holidays continued. I mean, I kind of always think of the holiday season as running through New Year's, and I mean that's just kind of how I approach it. You know, it keeps that happiness, that that pleasantry around just a little bit longer. Christmas tree is still up. Christmas lights are still out there. Yeah, I get that Christmas is over, but I'm I'm hanging them up until New Year's. All right, they're they're staying out there, and then who lo- who knows how long it'll be before before I get to it after that. So I'm milking it for everything I can. I hope you all had a phenomenal Christmas Eve, a phenomenal Christmas. Whether if you don't celebrate it, just hopefully you had some sort of good times with your family, friends, everyone around you. Uh, I know I did. Everything was great. You know, got to see all sides of the family, all kinds of good food, came away with some great leftovers. What's the best Christmas leftovers? You know, I guess that depends wildly on what you eat for Christmas, but I'm trying to think which one of my leftovers do I always enjoy eating the most? I'm a big stuffing guy. I love stuffing. So stuffing's really high up there for me. Um, If you do like lasagna, that usually seems like it holds up pretty well. You know, meat's tough. You know, if it's turkey, eh, you're really dabbling in some dryness there. Ham's usually pretty solid. You no, know, we did, one One side of my family did some tri-tip. That was good. Held up pretty well. Little pro tip, I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but whenever I microwave food, leftovers particularly, not necessarily any microwavable food, but maybe we'll just stick with anything leftover. I always soak a paper towel in water. And then I rest it over the top of the food before microwaving it. And I believe that kind of adds just a little bit of moisture back into the food, kind of steams it along with microwaving it. And it, it does wonders. Like it makes uh one thing that's a huge come-up with with that method is fries. Fries are usually just straight garbage, uh, reheated in a microwave. Um, if you have an air fryer, another solid option for reheating. That you know, you get an air fryer going, you get a little bit of crispness there you know then you're really cooking you're really cooking pun intended so back to the leftovers what else what else i mean you got your sweets Um, my family passed down from my grandma makes an incredible chocolate fudge and i don't know what it is but it just destroys every other fudge i've ever had i remember eating fudge from disneyland Disneyland usually does things big, they're elite in like almost everything they do, but I had the fudge, and I was like, "Man, what is this trash? You know it was kind of like like a gummy a little bit, you know, but my our family's fudge has almost this not a powderiness to it, but a dryness to it, and you kind of bite into it and it breaks apart, and then instantly you know once it's in your mouth, it starts to melt and become real real chocolatey. It is unbelievable. I'm telling you, I can get you all the recipe too. It's nothing like secret. It's on the back of, of a, like a, like a marshmallow uh, type of product. I I can get back to you because I I have no, this isn't like, again, this isn't like a secret recipe. This isn't like a, you know, passed down to generations. It's just the recipe we use as a family. And it is unbelievable fudge. If you're a big fudge chocolate person, um, outstanding stuff um christmas gifts i got everybody almost everybody in my family little apple air tags i love giving gifts that are useful that they can use you know we put them in like a little keychain handed them out and everybody was like damn this is sweet it's not even really expensive it's just something that they'll get to get to use got myself one put it on my keys um what else did i get anything cool got a new pair of jeans that i got on right now they're fitting real great got some nice jackets i love jackets um, I think that's that's probably the the primary things I got going right now. Yeah, I hope you guys got some good gifts. Hope you got yourself some good things. Hope you spoiled yourself. Hopefully, you spoiled those around you. You know, you never know. But even if even if you didn't dabble in the the uh, extravagant gifts, hopefully you got to spend some time with each other. I suppose. I wonder if there's any podcasts out there just based around like holidays, like a Christmas podcast. That talks Christmas year round. Can you imagine? I mean, I say, could you imagine? But here we are. Football season isn't year round, but we find a way to talk about this shit all year. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. in mean, are there any like just Halloween podcasts? And I don't mean like Halloween like Michael Myers, but like just people that just talk about Halloween year round. I don't know. I'm sure there's some podcasts. Can you imagine all the podcasts out there? Anyways, now really wandering off. All right, I suppose we should talk about the 49ers. I mean, that's why we're here relatively quiet week in 49ers land on the 49ers side of things in terms of the 49ers opponent not so much not so quiet but we'll get there um, in terms of the entry report nothing too drastically changing the non-participants are Jimmy Garoppolo obviously Kevin Givens still with a knee um, Kyle Shanahan seemed a little positive when it came to Givens I think he'll start slowly working his way back into practice uh he underrated addition by the way i keep looking at that injury report hoping to see him move up move up into the limited because he is just a monster uh, along the interior a great rotational player uh cornerback amory thomas uh still recovering from his ankle injury and he also he's also battling an illness uh there's been a little bit of an illness going around the 49ers locker room uh, the one that i'm sure they're taking note of Um, A big addition to the limited participations is one wide receiver, wide back Debo Samuel, who was a limited participant in practice, was out there at the beginning of practice. ESPN's Dick Wagner um, got some video of him. And this is I'm not necessarily confident that Debo Samuel is going to play this week. I don't think the 49ers feel like they need him. But it's another one of those weeks where it would be an even stronger indication for if he doesn't play, I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan would say, look, if we felt like we needed him, and essentially saying if this were the playoffs, he'd be in, okay. which is a great sign. And I just think at this point, the smartest thing the 49ers could do is to give him plenty of time to heal up. You know, if if they're going to continue to to whip ass, then why, why risk him? Uh, Christian McCaffrey still limited with a knee. Jordan Mason hamstring. Um, d- defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw knee defensive lineman Kerry Hyder ankle, defensive lineman Eric Armstead, foot and ankle. Javon Kinlaw missed practice yesterday, but Kyle Shannon said it was always the plan, maintenance. He's now, he's now back at practice in, in a limited fashion and didn't suffer any sort of injury setbacks from his play time. Um, there was a, a clip where Eric Armstead was mic'd up and he said to Javon Kinlaw that this was the best he's felt uh, all of season long. So, the idea that Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead are kind of, you know, getting healthy or or returning and, and getting their feet wet again. You know what I mean? Like they're in a sweet spot right now for this 49ers defense. That was the best defense in the NFL without them. And now they're getting them back. And just like, same thing can be said for the offense. The offense has been humming without Debo Samuel. And now they're about to get him back. So it's, 49ers are in a good place right now in terms of health. Full participants, Nick Bosa, he missed yesterday's practice as well with an illness. Um, Brock Purdy, still practicing in full, seems to be fully recovered from, or, you know, closer to fully recovered from his oblique slash rib injuries. Um, Trent Williams had some rest earlier this week, but that's been the case every week. And Mitch Wisnowski, also back to practice, but he was also sick as well. So a little bit of something going around right now in the locker room, hopefully. But, I mean, there's a little bit of something going around on right now throughout the entire world, really. I mean, it's kind of like flu season. It starts to get real cold. The weather changes, at least in the Central Valley it does. I can guarantee you it's changing quite a bit in Santa Clara. Uh, It's just a matter of uh, people's bodies adjusting and stuff inevitably just kind of goes around. And uh, I've noticed a lot more people uh, wearing masks lately. And, I mean, I'm not judging you one way or the other. I don't I don't care, but I can understand why they are given how many things are just kind of floating around. So that's where the 49ers are right now. They're not immune to sickness, just like we aren't. So uh, uh it's something worth keeping an eye on when it comes to uh when it comes to the final kind of injury port reports tomorrow. Uh obviously the huge storyline this week that I haven't even really begun to it's almost as if I don't care enough to dive into it. I mean, I'll offer my surface-level feelings on it, but uh, Derek Carr, Raiders quarterback, has been deactivated. He is gone. He is no longer in that building. He is, I think, on the injury report as being out with, an, with a personal issue, but the Raiders have benched Derek Carr, and he has gone home to, quote-unquote, avoid being a locker room distraction. distraction. And that's seemingly it for... Carr's tenure with the Raiders which is just it's all kind of weird you know they just traded for Devontae Adams you know his his right hand man going all the way back to Fresno State it's just you know I think it really has the most to do with his contract you know he's gonna make close to I think uh, near right around the area of 40 million next year and if he gets injured over these next two games that's guaranteed um, If they cut him before like the Super Bowl time ish, February ish, uh, he will comes with like a very minimal cap hit, like five, six million or something. So, I mean, they're looking at saving a ton of money by letting Derek Carr go and then just throwing themselves into the pool of hope we can find a quarterback Delios, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to hit the market, but I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo would Jimmy Garoppolo might hit the market, but I don't think the he's going to hit the Raiders. I mean, that's I'm not, obviously they could throw throw some money at him, but man, I don't I don't know who would want to go there right now. It just seems so disheveled and, and Josh McDaniels' reputation is not great. And just even coming into this job his reputation was not great, and now it doesn't seem like it's improved at all. Uh, you've you've got Derek Carr who's just being thrown into the wind. And I I understand that he is not the best quarterback, but he is certainly not like, you know, what is he, a middle-of-the-road quarterback? You know, someone in the neighborhood of Jimmy Garoppolo. Sometimes Jimmy Garoppolo is better. Sometimes Derek Carr is better. It just seems like they are trying to claw for a reason as to what could possibly be going wrong in that building. And they landed on Derek Carr, which, you know, it's, you look at his stats and he has struggled recently as a quarterback, but in terms of like his season's numbers, which we know don't tell the story, but he's completing 60% of his passes and with, with two more games to go, he's got 3,500 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, which I believe is tied for the lead with. Surprisingly enough, Dak Prescott, who missed five games this season and has thrown just as many interceptions as Derek Carr, which is kind of just a wild stat to me. So it's like you look at that, essentially 61% completion percentage, 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Not incredible exactly how he played last season. Last season, he had more yards. He had 4,800 yards, but he had 23 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. The year before that, he had 27 touchdowns and nine interceptions. You know, some of the 2017, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. You know, it's like, I'm not exactly sure what is they're experiencing that's surprising. Now, again, it could all come down to the fact that he's due so much money and they just want to move on, which from a pure business perspective, you can see that, I guess. Um, But it's just trying to, you know, to come up on a quarterback in this day and age is going to be tough. And I could definitely see Carr as somebody going somewhere a little bit more stable, a little bit more coherent, and could be somebody that, that does well, that, you know, at least continues to be a starter. Because, I mean, you look at his game logs, They had a really embarrassing loss to Pittsburgh. They lost 10 13, and Derek Carr threw three interceptions to one touchdown. Then the game before that, they won against New England. I mean, that was a wild ending, but Derek Carr threw 231 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. You know, it's like, damn. And then, but the game before that, they had an embarrassing loss to the Rams. 16 17, Derek Carr threw 137 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. You know, the, the, Start of his season wasn't any better. You know, he threw three t- uh, interceptions against the Chargers. But then it kind of seemed to hit, you know, he hit his form, where it looks like he threw about 15 interceptions to just a couple, fifty. excuse me, 15 touchdowns to a, just a couple interceptions for about a six or seven-week span. Maybe a little less. Maybe about 10 touchdowns and a couple interceptions. But I just, I don't know what they're trying to do there. I, I just, it in the end, it could, could come down to like I just said it dudes do, do 40 million dollars if Jimmy Garoppolo was due 40 million dollars do you think the 49ers would be all in on that do you think they'd be having these same discussions probably probably you know you've got to be a pretty damn good quarterback to justify a 40 million dollar price tag which I, I don't want to just be s- sending that number you know talking out of my ass here I can jump over to over the cap to check it out but that's tough, man. That's tough. It's, I mean, it's surprising, and the 49ers are kind of what you would think the the beneficiaries of it. Let me see. This is 2023. Uh, yeah, Derek Carr has a thirty—yeah, 30, $35 million cap number, and they can save $30 million cutting it. So, yeah, I, I guess, and you're staring at that. I mean, damn. I don't know when Derek Carr signed his contract. But it wasn't that long ago. So for him to have signed a contract that already makes this his his release that appealing, that seems like it's like I'd be looking at my agent like, damn, man. The hell. The hell. All right. Interesting. And here comes Jarrett Stidham. Good luck, man. I don't know what that noise I just made was, but good luck, Raiders. Jarrett Stidham has never really caught on anywhere. Spent some time in New England. You know, was was never really considered the starter there. Was, you know, other court? you know, 2000. What quarterbacks were they starting in New England in 2019 and 2020? Were those the Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer years? You know, somewhere in there. Now he's with the Raiders in 2022. Don't really know what to expect. You know, maybe. what's crazy about all this is that the Raiders are not even mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They are still technically in playoff contention, and they just sent their quarterback home. And they're going to go with Jarrett Stidham. And maybe they don't even consider themselves. I mean, they might not be mathematically eliminated, but they might not consider themselves a playoff team, and that's why they're just going to make this decision now. They're like, look, we don't think we're going to make the playoffs or let alone win in the playoffs, and it's not worth the $40 million we'd have to pay should Carr get injured. Whatever, how much money that is. So now they're going to Jarrett Stidham, and and maybe they think that is some type of. Maybe he's going to pull off something crazy. May he be. Maybe he is that something crazy. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryan said today that they caught wind that this change was going to happen, but I mean, imagine being Jarrett Stidham. Imagine being him, and you're like, hey, man, um, Derek Carr weren't happy with that. We're going to send him home. He's not even going to be here anymore. Now, a lot of people I I read said that. This was Derek Carr's choice to just go, um, which seems weird. You know, uh, I don't know. There's so many different thoughts here. But it's like, hey, man, Jared Stidham, we're going to go with you. And please just give us some sort of a spark. Save us. Um, But you're going to need to do it against the league's best defense. Cool, man. Good luck. Good luck. I mean, what the hell are the Raiders expecting? I mean, compare this whole debacle with Derek Carr to just everything, the the way everything went with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, obviously suffered a significant injury. Trey Lance takes over. Trey Lance is in the building. Jimmy Garoppolo's working out on a side field while the rest of the team practices. You know, it's like it's one of the most awkward situations I've ever seen in, on an NFL team that eventually just kind of became the normal. We'd 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 walk out to practice, we'd look over, we'd watch Jimmy Garoppolo throw, and then we'd go watch practice, and you know, we never really media wise, we never really talked to him, but Jimmy Garoppolo didn't leave in fear of becoming a distraction. He just went about his business. And the 49ers were okay with him going about his business as they waited for some type of trade trade partner and they gave the keys to, to Trey Lance.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: An odd deal, you know. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo put his body on the line and played through some injuries and was able to uh, to kind of. You could tell he's won over the hearts and minds of the locker room. I don't know if Derek Carr's done the same in his locker room. It's just, it just seems like they're just they're, the two situations don't share that much in common. But at the same time, one quarterback just deciding to like peace out, or and the team telling him to peace out. Either one, I don't really care. The team moving on from him. Derek saying peace out. Compare that to Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers essentially being done with him, but he sticks around, he's he's still visible, he's still interacting with his own teammates. He's out there throwing and working out. It just seems so weird, and maybe that's more of a testament to Jimmy Garoppolo and what the type of person he is and what he was willing to endure, um, you know, and how he was able to humble himself in in a kind of a pretty awkward position. But you know, like you said, you got to know your place, and it's just it's just weird seeing the two together or comparing the two. And I don't know, I I just I don't know because Derek Carr could certainly have have gone about his business. He it seems like he could have contributed to that quarterback room and contributed to Stidham's you know progress. And but no, he's he's gone, he's out. So it's just a weird situation that I don't really know enough about to to talk any more on it but it's just it's just it's just weird. It's just weird. And the 49ers, I believe they were favored by like 6 points before this news and now that Carr's gone, they're 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 favored by more than 9 now, I believe, which is crazy for a home game. Usually the home team is awarded like 3 points and usually the home team is awarded 3 points. It's kind of considered their home field advantage and then everything more than that, it's you know you're eclipsing that three and then moving on. So the forty ers being favored by like six is a lot. Being favored by a nine is a lot, a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if that that kept climbing. And I wouldn't be surprised if the forty nineers covered. You know, like it has the makings of being a, a monumental ass kicking, barring any of those weird late season heroics that we've heard about. But forty nineers are expected to. Uh, outnumber Raiders fans 60/40 you know they they track the the area codes buying the tickets but you know there could be a little bit of a loophole here you know if you're tracking area codes and people buying tickets to 49ers games are from San Francisco or say Oakland or say you know there could definitely be Raiders fans buying these tickets that are kind of being considered uh maybe possible 49ers fans obviously I would think the majority of Raiders fans right now, the majority that are Raiders fans that are at these games are not from Las Vegas. So, but forty, we know the 49ers fans travel like no other, so it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if that was actually correct or if it was even more slanted towards the 49ers. Um, See, in terms of the game itself, beyond the drama, this is To me, this game represents uh, what could be a pretty significant step forward for the, the legend of Glock Purdy. You know, it's like the Raiders' defense is, is not good. And that was kind of a lot of people that were coming to the defense of Derek Carr saying like, look, you've now scapegoated your quarterback, but your drafting over recent years has been abysmal. The defense, ever since he's been there, has been abysmal. And so why is he the person that's being told to, to exit stage left when everything else going on in that organization seems like a more prudent problem. But anyways, defense is not good. They're okay against the run. They are averaging 4.3 yards per carry, which is not great. I mean, for comparison's sake, the 49ers, the best rush defense in the NFL, gives up 3.3. The only person on that defense that the 49ers might even consider game planning around is Max Crosby. But even then as a T tef- as a team They don't even have a lot of sacks, you know, so it's like you go to the you go to sack numbers. Let's see. Where can I find them? Defense. Passing sacks. Okay, they are the third worst team in the NFL in terms of total sacks with 25. You scroll all the way down to the bottom and you've got the 49ers. They're the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best team with 41 sacks. The Eagles have 61 sacks this season. That is unreal. The next closest team has 50, which is the Patriots. 61 sacks? Damn. That's nuts. 49ers have 41. The Raiders, all the... So take, I mean, look at that lens. The Raiders have 25. The Eagles have 61. You're not even in the ballpark. And how many of those 25 sacks are Max Crosby's? So if you're looking at one person to just kind of slant your efforts towards, it's that guy. But he's not the type of player. I think Max Crosby's a great football player. He's, uh, I think, he leads the league in tackles for loss. He was the one of the only people that can say they've got something on Nick Bosa right now because Nick Bosa is essentially leading the league in every statistical category as being a pass rusher. But Max Crosby has more tackles for loss, and I think uh, Mika Parsons has more overall pressures. But everything else is is Nick Bosa's. So just an interesting defense or an interesting dynamic there. So Raiders have an average rush defense. They give up 4.3 yards per carry. Their passing defense is abysmal. What they give up, if a quarterback just played the Raiders over and over every week, they would be having a phenomenal season. Because the Raiders give up a 68% completion percentage. They give up 6.9 yards per attempt, which is nine point nine. How do you say it? 6.9, points. (laughs) I' <laughs> see if you guys can get that. It's a horrible joke by the way three they also have given up three thousand six hundred and sixty four yards through the air twenty two touchdowns with only five interceptions, like if a quarterback just played the Raiders every week, man they'd be having one hell of a season and Brock Purdy's about to play the Raiders, and he's already having one hell of a season, which we'll get to the Raiders defense is second to last in total d v o a remember we talked about d v o a um last couple of weeks. It's really just an average based metric. Um, and, but in terms of defense, the Las Vegas Raiders give up 12.4% more than any other defense in the NFL. Uh, and, and the Chicago bears are the only ones that are worse with 14.3%. So, I mean, you're, you're one of the worst defenses the Forty ers might've gone against all season. They might be the worst defense. And when you look at Chicago, that game was was in a downpour, that was a weird game. Not really representative of of what either team was capable of. They're second to last in total DVOA, they're last in the NFL in passing DVOA. What's the actual numbers? Let me see. They allow 11.2% more plays than the rest of the NFL. And then you've got 49ers all the way at the top with, who are on the other side of things. They allow 10.2% less plays than the rest of the NFL. And then last but not least, they're the bottom half of the league in rush DVOA. So in almost every conceivable metric, the, the Raiders' defense struggles. Uh, Steph Sanchez of uh, the 49er, 49K pod, she put out a tweet earlier. The Raiders' secondary is abysmal. Both safeties, Trevon Mooring and Duran Harmon, are allowing a completion percentage of 75% or better in their coverage. Cornerback Nate Hobbs, a 73.4%. In terms of passer rating allowed, uh, safety, uh, Trevon Mooring allows a 142.1 passer rating. Just in case you don't know, a 153.6, I believe, is perfect. Um, cornerback Nate Hobbs allows a 1126 and Deron Harmon allows a 120.7. So, I mean, that's, that is not good. That is just a lot of plays out there waiting to happen. So, there's just not a lot. The Raider. And, then, and then you're looking at the fact that what is their offense even going to be able to produce with Jarrett Stidham? Now, is there a chance it ends up being some weird game where Stidham's making all these plays? No one expected, sure. But that just doesn't seem likely against the 49ers defense. That makes good quarterbacks look bad. And so it's it's just this weird dichotomy but in terms of going back to rock purdy you're talking about i, I mean i was uh, just briefly caught part of the uh, haberman haberman and Middlecoff podcast and haberman haberman asked Middlekoff a, a good question like are you still looking at purdy under the lens of proving it like you're not quite sold you're you're expecting things to to unravel or maybe look just a little bit worse. And in any given week and John's answer was surprising. He said, no, no. Like I, I feel like I already see a quarterback. That's an, an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. I already see a quarterback that's playing at a high level. And Haberman was kind of the, not the opposite, but saying like, I still am kind of expecting. I still need more. I still want to see more, which is to me, kind of where I fit too. But, I mean, you just look at how Purdy's playing. It's just, I'm kind of where Guy is. Like, I keep waiting for the the roof to cave in. You know, you're talking about a rookie quarterback who was the last draft pick. Like, at what point do we fall back down to reality? But it it doesn't seem like if it were going to happen, this would be the week. You know, the Raiders will allow you to do whatever you want to do. So, I mean, I guess there's a chance they're they're all – in a weird spot now rallying around Josh McDaniels, which doesn't seem like a guy you'd rally around or rallying around Jarrett Stidham. I don't know, but Purdy is in his, in his, just in all of his time with the 49ers right now, going all the way back to stepping in for Garoppolo at the end of the Chiefs game. You're talking about a guy that's completing 67% of his passes, which is above average for 912 yards. That's in three games. I mean, three and three quarters, platform nine and three quarters, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, and then he's got a rushing touchdown on top of that. But then if you look at his interceptions, let's just look at them. One of them was at the very end of the Kansas City game where I think the 49ers were just trying to leave this this last-minute drive to just put some points on the board, and Purdy chucked it up and, and got intercepted. I can't really remember. It doesn't really matter. Obviously, just being thrown to the Wolves in a Kansas City blowout is not necessarily a representation of anything to do with a statistical analysis of what to expect. So, you know, you can wipe that interception off the board in terms of trying to evaluate what Purdy's done. And then you've got the Miami interception, which is basically a third and long that he slightly underthrew and gave the cornerback a chance to go up and get it. Um, It was basically an arm punt, you know, one that you'd wish you'd given Ayuk more of a chance to get it. But at the same time, not a very costly interception. So in the end, I mean, they would have they would have preferred that interception happen than having to punt it from where they were at. So, I mean, I guess they could have had a chance to pin him. But that was a pretty harmless interception. And then you've got his most recent interception in Washington, which I believe was the tipped pass to Jawan Jennings, who who dropped it and tipped it to himself, and, but then tipped it again way up in the air. And it was picked off. So you're not even, even the interceptions that Purdy has to his resume aren't even alarming. And then you've got the, you know, the nine touchdowns he's already scored. It's just, to go back to Haberman and Middlecoft, it's like, I can understand where both of them are coming from. It's like Purdy has looked like an upgrade in every way, shape, or form in some weird. Way it seems like the offense has even gotten more aggressive since Purdy stepped in, which is the exact opposite of what you'd expect from an offense when a rookie undraft or excuse me last draft pick steps in. But it seems like the offense is actually in in a weird way taking a small step forward, and Jimmy Garoppolo is playing great football up until this point. But you know it's. It, I'm I'm just weirdly caught in between the two of them. The fact that Middlecoff thinks like he's seeing what it is. He's seeing uh, an upgrade over Garoppolo, and he's seeing a product that is that is impressive, to say the least. Whereas Haberman's like, I still feel like I need to see more to just be completely sold on it all. And I think I'm more Liam Haberman. Like, I still want to see more, and obviously the hardest part is coming when it, when it comes to the playoffs. But it's just impossible not to be impressed so far. And everybody I've talked to about him, everybody wants to know like, Hey, what do you think of Purdy? Like, wh- what is this? And I'm like, man, I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know, but it's cool. And it's fun to watch. And until he gives us a reason to doubt what he's capable of, I don't necessarily see him the train slowing down. So the legend of Glock Purdy certainly has a, uh, that's my, of the two nicknames I heard, y'all know the other one. I'm going to go with Glock Purdy. Um, one, I own a Glock, but two, it's just a little better than the other one. A little more PG-ish. So looking at the bigger perspective, I do expect the 49ers to put a hurt on the Raiders. I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to do much on offense. And I think the 49ers are going to be able to to, to to flex themselves a little bit on offense themselves. So you've got the makings of a of a pretty, pretty significant beatdown, but we've seen weirder things happen. Around the league, the, the, obviously, what you're watching is the the next week. The Vikings are traveling to Lambeau to face a Packers team that is competing to be in the playoffs. Green Bay Packers are the tenth seed right now. They're the tenth seed right now, but their record wise, they're seven and eight. Detroit seven and eight. Seattle seven and eight. Washington, 7-7, seven and seven, and Giants are 8-6. and six. So the Green Bay needs to win this game to try and get into the playoffs. So in no way, despite the fact that this Green Bay team hasn't been impressive, in no way are they going to be a pushover. And that just seems like a game where Minnesota, we've been watching them, you know, the craziest comeback in NFL history. We've been watching them do all these things, and that this seems like the game where they 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 fall back down to earth a little bit in terms of the team they may really be or at the very least may really be going up against a Green Bay team that really wants to find some way to claw back into this playoff. So there is a real chance the 49ers could jump up into the number two seed after this weekend's games. We'll see. If the Vikings lose and the 49ers win, the 49ers become the two seed, and they would currently be slated to go against the Commanders again in the first round of the Uh, of the playoffs and the commanders who have now put Taylor Heineke out and put Carson Wentz in. Not sure about that move, but this is, this was always the game I had circled on, on the Vikings schedule is where the 49ers could possibly make that jump up. Is the Vikings traveling to Lambeau in, you know, are they playing Yeah, January? It's January 1st for them too. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting little, Point right there. Keep an eye on that game. Keep an eye on that game. Just to kind of close this off on a positive thought. I mean, hey, the 49ers, they are two wins away from a 13 4 season and sweeping the NFC West. Pretty impressive so far. I'll, I'll knock on wood for you if you'd like me to, but pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Not to mention, two wins away from Brock Purdy rattling off. What, four in a row? No, excuse me, six in a row? Would that be six in a row? Am I, am I reading that right? Do I still have my Brock Purdy stats up here? Yeah, because he came in very early against Miami, got that win. Started against the Buccaneers, got that win. Started Went to Seattle, got that win. Started against Washington, so there's four in a row. That would be six wins in a row for Purdy, who... The, it's an interesting topic that I'll, I'll close this out with. Could, if Purdy wins these next two games, could he have a legitimate claim for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Think about it. There's n- nobody out there that I think is ran away with it. You got the Jets receiver, who's the Jets receiver. Yeah, whatever. Could. A 6-0 Brock Purdy, mystery relevant, the last pick of the draft, coming in for a playoff team and winning six in a row to help them capture the number two seed, win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Doesn't have a big resume, but it's a prominent resume. Those are some some huge things. So uh, that's just something to think about. We've got Nick as the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. Could Purdy, insert himself, be a surprise entrant? Player two has entered the game into the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation. I think he could. I think there'd be a lot of people willing to listen to that, you know, that sign off on those awards. I think there'd be a lot of people willing to listen to that conversation. And we'll leave you with that. We'll leave you with that. And the next time you will hear from me will be after the Raiders game. What is it? Is it Sunday? I've, they've been having so many Saturday games. Yeah, January 1st is is a Sunday. Okay, just making sure we're back to normal NFL life here. Although Saturday games were throwing me off. So the next time you guys will hear from me, I'll be on here Sunday night breaking down the Raiders game. Um, you'll get it on Monday morning. And we'll see where we're at. We'll see, we'll see what's going on. But rock purdy, glock purdy. Just a cool story, man. I we'll like talking about it. I like talking about it. But as always, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for um, supporting the podcast. I hope you had a terrific holiday season watching whatever Christmas movie you consider a Christmas movie. Whatever whatever you want to do. Doesn't matter to me. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for supporting the pod. Make sure you're listening, downloading, subscribing, uh, passing on the word if, you, if so be it. Um, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Y'all know this, but I'm going to say it every time. Thank you for listening. Um, but for another episode, we we got to get out of here. It's, it's got to come to an end at some point. Appreciate you. I'm Rob. This is Strike and Gold. We're signing out.